Um, I love Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> There's your friend's reference for the episode. I'm sorry, Phoebe, but I think Jacques Cousteau is dead. Can we go outside? I mean, I think I'm gonna let them outside. It's storming. They're gonna come back. Your, your friends are up there. Completely ruined. She has no appreciation for my friends. And welcome to another episode. What? Hey, are we hey people? What do we say? Hi? I think that's just a little bit more formal. Hey is for horses. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Wolf Disney. Um, We are two sisters who grew up without um, a lot of Disney movies in our household. Um, And so this podcast is a journey of us watching uh, a lot of them, not all of them anymore. Um, and chronological order. Um, I'm Natalie. And I'm Sarah. And this week's movie is 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Which in my head I kept calling Treasure Island. Ooh. Like I was on the phone with mom yesterday and I told her that we were going to record tonight and I said yeah so I need to watch Treasure Island and she's like didn't you already do Treasure Island? And I was like no. No. Yeah. I also halfway through the movie thought again of Treasure Planet and I was like oh we get to watch Treasure Island soon and then I realized we already watched that um so that's my review of that movie I'm not gonna watch that again yeah I think that might be my least favorite movie that we've watched yeah that and like the um does it make my music or whatever the three caballeros we didn't think watch make my music the three caballeros yeah Um, and Saludos Amigos. Yeah. That was not a high point in our journey so far. Right. Uh, but I liked 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah. Like when I first turned it on, um, I was a little bit panicked because I looked at the running time and it was over two hours long. And I was like, this is, this is going to be rough. I really should have paced myself and not waited until the day that we recorded to watch it. And I should have done like 20 minutes a day. I should have, <laughs> yeah, I should have been the sister who knows you as my sister and texted you on Thursday when I started it. Cause I finished it yesterday. Um, and given you a heads up. Um, yeah. Like last night I finished my sermon early and I was like, I could, I should probably just watch like half of the movie and then go to bed. And then I was like, no, I'd rather watch Grey's Anatomy and it's probably like an hour long. And so I'll just watch it tomorrow, like after church or something. And then I sat down with my lunch today and saw the two hour thing. And uh, but it didn't feel like two hours. Like I really liked it. Yeah. Spoiler alert for my like new favorite movie. Yeah, that's wild. Um, I um, I did not hate it. It's definitely like uh, I like I definitely went into it not um, with very low expectations because I knew that it was like a sci-fi slash action movie. Um, and so considering that, I do think I liked it more than I anticipated. Yeah. Um. I was really nervous because I, I thought it was going to be all action and it wasn't. I was nervous because, well, I guess we can talk more about this later, but I was nervous because for me, at least the first hour was so slow and there are just scenes of them just like walking underwater on the floor of the ocean. And I was like, oh my gosh, if this is this two hour movie, I, I can't do this. I can't do it like a planet earth in 1954. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could have done without the super long under the sea things because I also just like, I, I don't know if we were supposed to understand what they were saying to each other and their like underwater sign language symbol thing. Um, right. I was just, and they're like, I mean, I guess are we just going to start talking about the movie now? Sure. Okay. So when they go underwater, uh, it's just weird because 
you know, the three main characters that are not associated with the submarine mm-hmm. land on the submarine and it, nobody's on it. And then they go underneath and they look and they see a burial at sea. Yes. Yeah. That, that was so weird. They're not all a burial at sea, a burial under, under sea. Under the sea. Yeah. We'll bury your bones. It was weird. Um, yeah, that was, and and I think the weirder part was that they saw it and immediately acknowledged, oh, it's a barrel under the sea. Yeah, and and like, that's not a no. <laughs> I don't care how many books this professor has read. This is not just like oh, a yes. common thing. This happens all the time. Yeah, they're wearing their. Um, I meant to look this up, but like the old school scuba, like all metal mm-hmm. gear. Um, I'm sure there's a word for that. And um, they fashioned a cross out of something. So it's like, okay, I guess they're Christian. Um, and, yeah. and then, but then this whole time, like you're watching it, like kind of through the eyes of these three people and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And, um, and one of them, probably the professor, because he knows everything is like, oh, the tall one must be their leader. And so I'm like looking like at all these people underwater and I'm like, they all look the same height because they're all wearing these giant astronaut undersea outfits. Like, I don't... Dive suits? Is that the word you're looking for? What what, what word? Like a dive suit? Sure. Outfit? I don't know. Outfit works too. Costume? Uh, Well, they used to be called bathing costumes. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, the underwater stuff, eh, I could have done without it. It was like, if you watch, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, that's a movie, right? Dad and I watched half of it and like, I swear an hour, it's like a five hour movie and an hour of it is just like these big sweeping views of desert. I don't need to see that. I know they're in the desert. The whole movie's about the desert. Well, I read a review from... Uh, the New York Times in 1954 for this movie and which one of the questions I had in this movie was is this supposed to be for kids Mm. I would I don't think I would I know I definitely would not have liked it as a kid I wouldn't have understood any of the plot um it was like some philosophy stuff going on yeah it would have been scary um and I would have gotten bored really quickly Mm -hmm. um but the New York Times review from 1954, uh, it's a positive review, but they talk about how, like, kids will enjoy it, but adults will be disappointed, um, especially if they're, like, ex- expecting it to be, like, a ton of, like, underwater, like, all of these fish footage things. Like, if they are looking for that, they're going to be disappointed because there's yeah. not a it? Yeah. I would say that I disagree with that review. <laughs> yeah. I didn't need they had well they traveled to nassau to do the underwater scenes um so i do wonder if they could have had just like more i don't know i don't think there was that much um aquatic life footage i didn't think there was either like i saw stingray at one point yeah Um, Yeah. i mean i was i was okay without those scenes but it was at, at the time, like, I mean, like, we also have Planet Earth and stuff. Like, I don't need to see it. But yeah. at the time. I was wondering if, like, people seeing this in theaters, if for some of them, like, that was, like, as close as you get to seeing footage under the ocean, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know when, like, Jacques Cousteau was doing stuff, but, yeah. Well, Sarah, would you like to tell us about the time you were in a submarine? Oh, sure. Uh, it's a family favorite story. Uh, when we lived in Newport News, um, I don't know how this happened. I feel like it was through the church or something, but I, I mean, everyone's like connected to the military okay. area. So um, somebody arranged for us to tour a sub in, in Norfolk. And so um, I went and did that. But it was also on the day that dad graduated from nursing school. <laughs> so I think we like we went to his graduation. Natalie was like two months old and we watched all of the graduates, um, walk in and, um, saw dad walk in and then we left so I could go to a submarine. Um, And for years, what was the 
uh, other, what was the alternate plot line of why we had to leave early? Because Natalie was going to cry? Yeah. Uh, what do you mean? Did people tell you that? Yes, like a year ago, we were t- retelling the story, and then somebody in the room was like, well, Sarah had a tour submarine. And for years, Dad has been saying that we left graduation early because I started crying, which regardless would not be my fault because I was two months old. So yeah. they were setting themselves up for failure regardless. Yeah. But I have for a long time been blamed for that when it was just that you could go on some little tour of a submarine. Well, um, I guess I would say that if I get another degree, um, Dad, you can go and tour a submarine on the day that I graduate. All right. I give you permission to do that. Fair is fair. Mom will be totally fine with that. Yeah, as long as you don't start crying. Oh. Mm. Um, do you remember the submarine? Was yeah. it very steampunk? Being on it. Um, I remember, uh, being too short for it. Um, you have to, like, climb into each room. Oh. Because it's, like, the door can seal, I guess, mm-hmm. in the compartment. And so, like, you always see people ducking in submarines because they don't want to hit, like, the top of the door frame. Mm-hmm. But I had to step over bottom of the door frame which was hard for somebody who is yeah. on the shorter side of the height spectrum and like eight years old oh yeah I mean I was just clumsy anyways so yeah didn't break my arm tripping on my shoelace but I did have trouble on the submarine okay yeah um yeah so 20,000 leagues under the sea um was um one of the first, ex- well, steampunk didn't exist yet, but it is one of the first examples of steampunk. I was wondering, yeah, because I, I mean, it seemed very similar, but to me, steampunk is like a newer thing, but it's like, it's like retro, like sci-fi from the 1800s or something. Am I wrong in that? Uh, it has something to do with like, I think it has to do with like the ratio of like, brown stuff like mechan like like mechanical versus like just um old huh nothing steampunk retro futuristic subgenre of science fiction i said most of those words that incorporates te- technology and aesthetic designs which is kind of what i said inspired yeah. by 19th century industrial steam powered machinery which though i think we learned that the Nautilus is not steam powered. Right. It is powered by some new kind of um, power source that only Nemo knows about. Also, I keep wanting to call him Nimoy. So I know that's going to annoy like some Star Trek people, but that's like the same name to me. Is that a Star Trek character? Yes, Captain Nimoy. Because I also had a Star Trek confusion. No, I'm sorry. Leonard Nimoy is the name of a Star Trek Star Trek uh, actor. And he played Spock. I'm remembering this now. He's not a character. He's the na- actor that plays a character. Yeah, I also thought that... Uh, uh, what's his name? Kirk Douglas, is that his name? Uh-huh. I thought he was a character in Star Trek. But I don't know where that's coming from. Captain Kirk. That's Captain Kirk. Yeah. So we let's each week let's just make an uh, effort to um, alienate a lot of potential <laughs> listeners. Sorry. Um. Yeah. That's that's fine. In our best moment. Um. Do you know how long a league is? No. I'm assuming you did no research. Um, I read about Jules Verne. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and I know what Nemo means. Not Nimoy. Nemo. Do you know how long a league is? No. Um, how long is it? Seven miles. No, it's... Well, is it knots? Sorry? Never mind. Go ahead. Um, well, 
the word league originally meant the distance a person could walk in an hour. <laughs> I mean, like, hold, like the, I have a whole paragraph of things I just wrote down from the Wikipedia page for leagues, and it just gets dumber and dumber. Also, because like a cubit, like when Noah is building the ark, it's Sarah, like, cubit is like the link of, of a forearm, and it's like, I'm sure exact word, exact, exact sentence I wrote. Reading information on the Nautilus from the novel is a similar experience reading God's instructions to Noah for how to build the ark. <laughs> like Wikipedia thought that including the whole paragraph from the novel on describing like the um, uh, measurements and like materials that are put into the Nautilus would be helpful. And I read the whole paragraph and could not tell you what I just read. And that's how I feel whenever people bring up arc measurements and what kind of trees things are made of. Anyway, um, so the word league originally meant the distance a person could walk in an hour. Um, with that, kind of every country had their own measurement for league, which I guess is what naturally is going to happen if that's how you're defining it. Um, but also, is it a league? A league is still not based on swimming. Like, it's not how uh, far. Yeah. So, um, the league that, so there's like just their general, there's tons of different kinds of leagues. So, what they needed was a league of their own. Mm -hmm. They needed, a, yep, they needed a league of their own. The ocean needed its own league. Um, and so, um, this league that the movie is talking about and that ocean people talk about uh <laughs> you know mermaids and Gosh, mermaids will not shut up about leagues um leagues are about nope uh a league is three nautical miles which do you know how many regular miles that is don't worry yeah. i have it written down that does because he's explained it to me before and i stopped listening after <laughs> like one second of <laughs> so a league is three nautical miles which is 3.452 land miles so they're more yeah they're longer um but but twenty thousand leagues under the sea is french which is going to refer to the french league which is actually about 2.5 miles the french are lazy no Oh, yeah. Sorry. I had that math backwards. Um, Sarah, don't, we might, have you looked at the map lately? We might have French listeners. I mean, the, okay, but like, for our French listeners, we live in America, and we have to have our president, and so everyone else is beating us in every other thing. True. Anyway, so that's my league research um another thing is when we did our predictions for this movie um i did a quick google and said that i read that this was yes. a scientific romance yes. yes i'd like to talk about that do you want me to tell you what that actually means oh yeah we're done it's an archaic mainly british term for sci-fi <laughs> so <laughs> yeah the whole time i was like maybe there'll be a woman here well yeah the squid popped up and i was like uh maybe i'm not wrong maybe they do fall in love with the squid i don't know because <laughs> we're running out of minutes here yeah i i just kept waiting for a woman to show up um but you know i did i do think that the big romance is between ned and esme yes the sea, the sea lion. I was. I mean, it's shock we took made it this long into this recording. Is she a sea or a sea lion? Is there a difference? She's a sea lion. What's the difference? Seals don't have. They don't like. They don't. They don't. They don't have like flippers that they like sit up on. I think. There's seals that like Sea World, and they do all of the things that. As so we don't support Sea World. I know. Well, so I. Don't I'm pretty sure I loved Esme, but I, I did have questions about like what her life was like offset because they made her eat cigars and stuff. They did make her eat cigars and that was weird. But they were made out of seaweed, so. 
Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. I watched it in three day span. Um, Esmeralda is a sea lion. I was thrilled that they, I for, honestly forgot about her, but I was that they saved her in the end and let her come on the boat with them. I gasped out loud when I saw her like pop up at the end. I was like, Esmeralda, you're going to be saved. I didn't even think about her dying. Yeah. Um, and, and, oh, yeah. I probably she wouldn't have died though because they left a hatch open and she is a water creature. So I feel like she could have swum her way. If she knew to go through the hatch. She did already to go find them, like to escape in the first place. Yeah. Speaking of animals, mm-hmm. how did you feel when they alluded to killing sea turtles? The sea turtle part? Yeah. yeah. That was real grim. I think that's around the time that I turned the movie off for the first time and said, I'll come back to this later. I gasped out loud when I saw that. Like, And a shark. I didn't care about the shark. Okay. I mean, I don't know. The sea turtle, they were like swimming and each holding a fin. And like the shark, there were moments where I was like, that is fake. <laughs> that is not a real shark. Um, but the sea turtles were real. Like there's no way they had the technology to fake that in 1953. Um, and so like you just see them and then it's like they're trying to swim and, and, and they're just, it was horrible. I hated that. That was my least favorite moment in the whole movie. Hmm. What was yours? Um, the length of it? No, the, I, um, I would say the end of it just kind of drops off. Yeah. Captain Nemo and his just, his just uh, fixation on like, getting revenge by just killing everything he yeah. comes in sight with yeah yeah i i did not like captain nemo yeah. um, do you want to know where his name comes from sure i will tell you um it is the latin translation of the ancient greek Ut- utis which means nobody and it's the pseudonym that Ut- um, Odysseus uses um, in a ruse to outwit the Cyclops. And so mm-hmm. when he is battling the Cyclops, um, he says, I have no name. Um, and so that is um, Captain Nemo's name. Cool. And I don't know if Finding Nemo is supposed to be like a connection to this or to Odysseus, which I guess it is an Odyssey journey, right? Yep. Yeah. So probably I'm going to go and say that Finding Nemo is based off of the Odyssey and not 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea just because Captain Nemo is horrible and Nemo, Finding Nemo is an adorable little clownfish. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did Google search Finding Nemo 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea didn't come up with much, but did find one thing. Um, the Whale of a Tail song is sung in Finding Nemo by the school of fish that helped Dory and Marlin. Right, but how does that connect to 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? A Whale of a Tale is the song that um, Kirk Douglas sings oh, throughout the movie. The sorry? Sorry, that was the name of the song? Yeah, sorry, yeah. So that song was very catchy, but it also, to me, sounded a whole lot like Surrey with the Fringe on Top from Oklahoma which I don't know super well. All I know is the line story with the fringe on top. Um, and, and um, da, 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 when I take you out and say, This is podcast gold. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, oh yeah. The something is genuine leather. And I only know that from when Harry met Sally. <laughs> so all day I've had story with the fringe on top stuck in my head, but I only know like three words of it. Um, so I forgot that it was called Whale of a Tail because in my head it was called Surrey with the French on top. Yeah. So Jules Verne was born on February 8th, 1828 um, in what? I'm just already concerned. You're already concerned? Yeah. Like what? 
Like how long is this gonna be? Oh, I did my research. Go ahead. Okay, born. What? He was born. He was born. Chapter one. He is born. Um, on a small artificial island, um, in a river. So already you're intrigued by that. Is that a lie? Are you just doing that? No, it says a small artificial island on the Loire River. I mean, people can make artificial islands. Like, it's not a big deal. Um, NBD. Okay. <laughs> I made one yesterday. Um, but anyways, he's, he's from France. Artificial <laughs> island is in France. I should have just said that. Um, so uh, at the age of six, he goes to a boarding school. This is important. He goes to a boarding school and the teacher, his teacher was a widow of a naval captain who had disappeared 30 years earlier. And she often told the students that her husband was ship, a shipwrecked castaway and that he would eventually return like Robinson Crusoe from his desert island paradise. Um, and so that, that theme would recur in a lot of Verne's um, writing. And it's as a result of like these early stories. What? It's like, can you imagine going back to your teaching days if there was some dumb thing you said repeatedly to your students that you find out 20 years from now inspires them to create like some masterpiece? Like, what could that possibly be? I don't even know. I know that. Like uh, the banjo? Well, I, we did talk about the banjo a lot. Um, that I told my students I could speak fluent French. And... <laughs> I would say, I'd say, do you know I can speak French fluently? And they'd say, no. And I'd say, give me something to say. And they would say, like, um, wash the dishes. And I would say, wash the dishes. <laughs> and this one kid loved it so much that he refused to do his warm up until I told him to do it in French. I'd be like, James, get your warm up done. And he'd go, no, no, Miss Wolf, say it in French. <laughs> and I'd go, get your warm up done. <laughs> okay. And get his pencil out and get his warm up done. So two things. We have a hundred percent lost any French listeners we may have ever had. <laughs> That's so true. That's uh, so second thing, you just ripped off Keenan Thompson from oh, I know. that. It's 100%, um, what's Pierre Escargot? Escargo. Yeah, it's Pierre Escargot. But like, they'd never seen that before. And so to them, I was like, this, like, See, that's what's going to happen. They're going to show up to SNL where Keenan Thompson will have replaced Lauren Michaels. 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 And um, their <laughs> audition will be them in a bathtub with rubber ducky speaking French. And Keenan will, and they will have no clue that they have just um, stolen this man's whole bit. And he'll be offended. I know that that is not French. Sorry, France. Um, if we have any French listeners, um, let us know you're mad at us by emailing us at wolfdisneypodcast at gmail.com. Although Keenan did speak French. Right? Not like in real life, but like in the bit, he did say some French words. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Keenan, uh, you don't worry about it. Sarah's the only one who's being offensive here. I think it was kind of butchered, like the pronunciation. Okay. Okay, so he had this teacher who had a lasting impact on him. Um, legend has it that when he was 11, he secretly pro procured a spot as a cabin boy on a three-mast ship. Um, the ship was going to the Indies, and he wanted to bring back a cor coral necklace for his cousin, um, who he was in love with. Um, the evening that the ship set out for the Indies, it stopped first at Pembeuf, where his father arrived just in time to catch his son. And he made him promise to travel only in his imagination from then on, which sounds like the end of a, like a sitcom or something, like or like a Barney episode. Like, boys and girls, it's fun to travel, but only in your imagination. Yeah, or like Danny Tanner tucking his daughter in. He's yeah. like, that was fun, Michelle, but... We can't do that again. Let's only travel in our imagination. You got it, dude. You got it, dude. Yeah. Uh, it is now known that that legend is an exaggerated tale um, <laughs> invented by his first biographer, but they do think that it was inspired by a real incident. Um, 
This is my favorite sentence on Wikipedia, I think, ever. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. After finishing classes in rhetoric and philosophy, he took the baccalaureate, which I'm assuming is a test. He took the baccalaureate at Wren and received the grade good enough on <laughs> July 29th. <laughs> Sometimes I think my seminary professors wish they could have. Yeah, that's 100% the degree I'm getting, at least one of them uh next May. Good enough. She was there. <laughs> yeah. She she showed up most of the time. I believe I have seen that person before and she is friends with somebody who's definitely a student here, so she looks a lot like Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding any future employers. I um I'm, I'm a pretty good student here. Uh best yeah, highest GPA I've ever had in my life, um, which isn't speaking very highly of uh, the rest of my life. But Yeah, no, that was the same for me at Columbia. <laughs> so he goes to school. His dad wants him to be a lawyer. Classic tale. Dad wants him to be a lawyer. He wants to be a writer. Um, has a couple of love interests that, that fizzle out, like, in, the, in that he falls, like, madly in love with these women. And then the fathers of these women are, like, this dude wants to be a writer. He's never going to be able to um, provide for you. And so the fathers marry the daughters off to somebody else, which then becomes a common theme in a lot of his books are that there are many daughters that are married off by their fathers to not nice men. Um, so we kind of use his writing a little bit in that way. Um, he starts to write some things, produce some things. He gets hooked up with some um, like science writing. He starts to kind of invent travel writing, um, which I think is kind of like Bill Bryson kind of stuff. Um, but he loved to do research. And so he'd spend a lot of time in the research libraries of reading about faraway places. Like this whole time, he's really never left France. Like he writes these novels. Um, and at one point he gets to go on a, on a like, I guess it's not a cruise, but like on a boat to um, England and Scotland and like that's his first experience and it's like enough for him to write a whole novel and then another, another point he like gets as far as Denmark or something but um, like he never went to like um, New Guinea or any place like that in his in his writing um, yeah so then um, he writes 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and it's very popular um, uh, I didn't understand this paragraph from Wikipedia, but <laughs> in 1886, as he was coming home, his 26-year-old nephew, Gaston, shot at him twice with a pistol. The first bullet missed, and the second one entered Vern's left leg, giving him a permanent limp that he could not overcome. The incident was hushed up in the media, but Gaston spent the rest of his life in a mental asylum. Why is that in there? I don't know. It was a weird addition, I thought. Yeah, that's some, like, family member that heard that story and got on Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then, like, his legacy is that, uh, like, what is he, people have had trouble kind of um, categorizing his writing. Like, is it fiction? Is it science fiction? Is it travel? Um, so some people don't think that it counts as science fiction because um some one person quote, uh, claimed that he never wrote a single sentence of scientific marvelous. So there's no like robots. There's no, it's not futuristic. Um, I mean, the Nautilus is futuristic in some ways, but, but Vern himself said that he didn't think he was a science fiction writer. Like he didn't use that phrase because it didn't really exist, science fiction. But um, he said, I've invented nothing and that his goal was to depict the earth and at the same time to realize a very high ideal of beauty and of style. Um, so like when he, he wrote a book, or he wrote Five Weeks in a Balloon, which I think eventually turns into Around the World in 80 Days. Um, and that he said that story was not about ballooning, but it was about Africa. And then he was greatly interested in geography and travel and he wanted to give a romantic description of Africa. Um, and so, he said, now there is no means of taking my travelers through Africa other than in a balloon. And that is why a balloon is introduced. Um, I may say that at the time I wrote the novel, as now I had no faith in the possibility of ever steering balloons. Um, so he, he kind of doesn't really buy into that either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's helpful to know because 
um yeah because i was watching it and um like the way they because so for those of you who have not seen this movie the submarine that they're on in the beginning is this this sea monster that everybody's talking about um in the pacific that um nobody quite knows like where it is or what it is but it's just a submarine that's destroying ships destroying ships yeah no like survivors hardly yeah but um the way like putting that together and knowing that it was supposed to be a sci-fi movie i was like well maybe i i was like i guess submarines are newer than i thought they were like not not 1950s new but like i my next question was when was the submarine invented did he write this book before the submarine was like like when it was like thought about like had not been like there were submarines in the civil war yeah so like submarines are old my answer is i found that quickly but i was see that like that's that's what would have made it Sci- I mean, I'm not, I don't watch sci-fi. I'm not a sci-fi expert, but yeah, once I like debunked the, in my head that yeah, he didn't create the submarine and I read things that said that he was like disappointed with how Disney portrayed the Nautilus because yeah. it is, it is sci-fi-y, like the steampunk, like his, there's illustrations in the novel of what the Nautilus, Nautilus looks like and it's, it's like just very it's much more basic and like not like it's like, a fantasy kind of sorry like, it's, I mean it's kind of like a fantasy in the Disney version where it's like yeah, kind it, of it looks like it could be a sea monster yeah, yeah. Like, as far as 1950s go um yeah so that's helpful uh-huh. to know that he did not consider himself to be he didn't he also did not consider himself to be a prophet like some people thought he was like a technological prophet and he was um like predicting what the next technological advance would be um and and what what did what would he have predicted i mean you know the the nautilus is powered by something that's unknown which like to me i was like is it supposed to be like nuclear power like which wouldn't have been known in 1868 or whenever it was you know it's atomic Um, atomic yeah like is that you know that's definitely before they had figured out like that kind of energy um so um but modern scholar con- scholarly consensus is that claims of prophecy are heavily exaggerated. Um, in 1961, there was an article um, about the scientific accuracy of 20,000 Leagues, and um, the author speculated that Verne's storytelling skill and readers misremembering a book they read as children caused people to remember things from it that are not there. The impression that the novel contains valid scientific predictions seems to grow as the years go by. Hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's Jules Verne. Um, interesting guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I liked him. He was good enough. Good enough. Good enough. <laughs> Did you read anything about the novel? Not a whole lot. Um, but I did read that the end of the novel is different because I wanted to know if the novel ends the way that the yeah. movie does because it, it literally just ends them being in a boat and being like, well, all the notes I took are sunk in that submarine and maybe the people don't need to know about this. And the novel ends, this is the, this is one of like the only holes I fell through in the internet today. The novel ends with um, the three men who are not a part of the crew escaping to Norway as the submarine gets caught in a maelstrom. Which brings me to Maelstrom, the Disney World ride, which our family talked about in our first episode, which is in Norway and Epcot, Um, which I don't know if we discussed this then or not, but it was replaced in 2016. It's now a frozen ride. Oh, I hate that. Well, that's is it not, still the same like thing though. Like I don't know if it's a water ride. I'm not sure, but um, <laughs> I like watched. Uh, what I also enjoy doing sometimes um, is watching YouTube videos of rides at amusement parks, and so I watched the last, like the last. There was somebody who went on the ride the last day that it was open in 2014. Um, it's honestly terrifying and 
boring and very underwhelming um, compared to what I remember of it. But um, all the comments are people, it's like nothing a Disney like YouTube channel. It's like an amusement park YouTube channel. And the comments are everybody being just very personally upset and mad at Disney for making it a frozen ride. But it's only like their only argument is like, um, Maelstrom, like this is in Norway. This makes sense for Maelstrom to be there. It makes no sense for Frozen to be there, which it does. Like Frozen yeah. is in a fictional kingdom, but it's based in Nor. Like, yeah, it's based in like Norway as like a fictional town. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, people are just like, like people are, yeah, people like are suggesting that it goes to like fantasy land, blah blah blah. And I'm like, Bleh. I mean, there was like a good bit of like, yeah. Anyway. Um, funny people like feeling all were kinds of ways. Were any of them Norwegian? What? Were any of them Norwegian? Doubtful. Uh, sorry if you were, but like, I don't think so. We're just like country by country going to alienate <laughs> all of Europe. We'll never be in, I mean, we can't go to Europe right now anyway, so. Let me tell you how I feel about Portugal next. Um, anyway, that's, uh, but, like, even, like, the end of the novel, having them, like, escape to somewhere, that would be nice to have, um, of, like, knowing where they ended up, um, not just, like, them. It just ends. They're, like, in this boat, and then, to me, it's, um, they've escaped the Nautilus, which has sunk, but also the island has been blown up, which is where all of the warships were who could maybe rescue them, even though they were firing at them. But, like, they don't have any food other than the sea lion. Um, they don't have any food. Okay, they don't have any food. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess we just assume that they are um, rescued at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie won two Oscars for Best Art Direction and Special yeah. Effects. Oh, I was going to guess Best Song. Oh, no. It did not win Best Song. Um, and the squid scene, which honestly I thought was a pretty impressive squid scene for 1954. Yeah? Uh, so I'm looking at this website, uh, classicmoviehub.com. And it's got fun facts about it. Just I think I was to, on there earlier today. I just got to the squid one. And it says the climactic squid battle on the Nautilus was originally shot with a serene sunset and a calm sea. Director Richard Fleischer was troubled by the look of it because the cams and gears that operated the squid could easily be seen. Yeah. <laughs> making it look fake. Yeah. So I found a YouTube video. They like recovered the footage. And it's on YouTube now, which we can post on our Facebook page. Of the on- serene. Can you see yeah. the gears? Um, I need to like rewatch it. I don't know what a cam is, but I know what a gear is. Is a cam not a camera? Why wouldn't you say camera? Why would you see a camera? I think they're talking about like the mechanism that operates the squid. Mm, okay, well, um, anyway, um, we'll post the video on our Facebook. Yeah. Or you can search on YouTube and find it. Um, one thing we haven't really talked about is the like defense mechanism of the submarine of like electrocuting whoever is touching it. Yeah, that was weird. And how that was like a, a comedic point, it seemed. Yeah. I mean, Captain Nemo says that it doesn't hurt them. It just, he said it's, it's not especially hospitable, but it doesn't hurt them. <laughs> I the people did people they look they looked like they might have been hurting a little bit. Yeah. Enough to the point where they like threw themselves into open water. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was um maybe not accurate. Yeah. He does it twice because he does it to the people from the cannibals. Yeah. Um and then to this uh the squid. Did did you recognize Esmeralda? She's in another movie? Mm-hmm. Hold on. Well, there's a seal in a, 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 a Marx Brothers movie. This is a sea lion. A sea lion in a Marx Brothers movie. Oh. Um, oh my gosh, is it Disney? I don't think so. 
Can you give me a hint? <laughs> what are you laughing at? God, the answer is just going to be Andre, the movie Andre. Oh! <laughs> I've never seen that movie. Really? Yeah. We definitely had it on like recorded VHS. I own it on DVD. I hate animal movies. I hate Prancer. I hate Andre. I hate Milo and Otis. I don't like. Wow. These are all my favorite movies as a child. Also, listeners, this is not even me just like giving you Sarah's opinions on movies. Like you've heard her highlights of all of the last movies we've watched have all been the animals. And now she's just tearing to shred my 90s movies with animals as like the lead characters. I liked, I liked Homeward Bound. Shocked that did not stress you, but okay. And Beethoven. Did you, did you like Fly Away Home? No. <laughs> I love Fly Away Home. I liked Babe. Babe, very good. Very good movie. Um, no, I don't like animals. I like Dun- Dunstan Checks In. It's when a, a, a monkey um, checks into a hotel. I don't think I like monkeys in movies. Okay. I don't like. I don't think I'm making that up. I think that's. How well, I, I think he's actually like an orangutan, and so I'm not sure if that's a monkey. Tune in next week, I guess. Correct us as we read all of our fan mail, most of which will be in French and Norwegian, and written by animal lovers. Yeah. And Star Trek fans. Oh, I forgot about the Star Trek. If you're a Star Trek fan, do not email us about it. I do not care. I will not read it. Yeah. If I've offended your country of origin, please. Oh, for sure. I will read that. That's legit. But do not explain Star Trek to me. You do not have my permission. I will report it as spam. Anyway, uh, feel free to email us. Uh, (laughs) Wolfdisneypodcast at gmail.com. We got some tweets this week from scott studman mm-hmm. oh so last week i thought that i made up slash remembered a movie called return to neverland it is a movie but oh. it was straight to video so we won't have to do it um it is peter and wendy's we children get to do it. we don't get to, we won't get to do it well no. he said it is peter and wendy's children who go back to neverland it is bad do not watch so Thank you for sparing us that experience. Um, There's one more thing. Oh, Scott says that we can, as far as live action goes, um, 20,000 Leagues makes sense because um, it won two Oscars, but he also would recommends or would like us to do or says that he watches um, March of Darby O'Gill. Oh, wait, no. I'm misreading the street. He watches every March. Darby, oh. Darby O'Gill and the Little People. That was in our first episode. Okay, that's coming up in 1959. So we've got, oh, the Shaggy Dog is right before that. I love the Shaggy Dog. Oh, I thought you didn't like animals when they're in movies. Well, before that, we have Old Yeller. So get ready for some more hot takes from Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, we could do Darby O'Gill a little bit. Why does he watch it on, do you think it's a St. Patrick's Day thing? Yeah. Okay. Could be a Lent, a Linton practice. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, anyway, that was on our Twitter this week. Our Twitter and Instagram and Facebook are Wolf Disney Pod. Are we done? We have not done the scary scale. We have no, not. I know, but like, are we done talking about 20,000 leagues? Oh. It's okay um, if we are. No, I've got, I got like seven pages of notes. Um, I liked that one guy's job on the boat was to just be a drummer. Did you miss that? Did you watch the movie, Natalie? Yes. Yes, uh, I, I missed the drumming. Yeah, it was towards the beginning when, oh, when they're on the boat before they get tossed into the sea to go to the Nautilus. They're like, oh, there's the monster. And then the captain like issues some order and then like the camera shoots to this one guy just drumming away. And I'm like, does this do anything? Sorry, I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking of the submarine. I understand now. Yeah, like 
I kind of understand it in war because it's like good for a pace. Yeah. But like on a boat, I don't know if that's necessary. Um, also, speaking of instruments, uh, the pipe organ. Pretty impressive. Yeah. That's cool. Seemed a little extravagant, but I guess most of Nemo's life was different. Different. Um, yeah, I did some submarine research. Nothing really that I want to report back about because it's mostly things everybody else, everybody else learned in like U.S. and world history, I'm assuming. On the day of their father's graduation from nursing school. That too, that too. Um, did, did not know that they were used so often for like violent things. I thought we like only used them really to like explore kind oh. of like in this movie. So that was oh. disappointing. Anyway. Finally. <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> you sweet, sweet girl. Yeah, they're not great. That, isn't that Nemo's? That's this is great. That's Nemo's argument of like why he's not gonna give this technology to anyone because he's like they're gonna use it for evil, even though he's using it for evil right. and revenge. But he's like yeah. they'll abuse it; they won't understand it. Da la la. What do we use submarines for? Not for exploring the ocean so much. Um, but largely militaries use it to like sabotage and, and, you know, blow up boats. Um, My scary scale. Yeah. What's your scary scale? Cause we're doing Sarah's scary scale too now. Oh, um, I started that last episode. Yeah, I know. I don't know if you'd remember it. Um, I would say my scary scale for this one is a six. Based on. Um, I think the scariest part. Yeah. Is the end drama when um water just kind of starts it's kind of like watching the titanic but in a submarine of people like being locked in bottom rooms um and trying to get out what we never talked about the crew and how they were all like yep we're gonna die with this captain like they also they also were captives in the same group he was a captive yeah like, I, like th- I think they have some like psychological that's what I think so too I think they're like um I, I don't even know that's called like Stockholm syndrome or something like they're yeah he gets shot and he's like well I'm gonna die so we're all gonna die like cool. the yeah I mean, it's what happens with like a cult leader yeah like he's created has like own philosophy of like what it means to be in a submarine true he's like a cult leader and once he realizes he's shot and he's going to die then the whole ship is going down with it and these crew the crew also just like never has a like they never have individual personality at all like they are yeah the guy that he was fighting that ned was fighting towards the end i was like oh i guess that's a character (laughs) like i guess they've seen him around a couple times but like i don't know who he is oh because he's a white shirt on yeah 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 but yeah the other crew i'm like they just do whatever nemo says Mm mm-hmm we were doing your scary scale and I just wanted to pause to talk about the crew. That's fine. Um, yeah, so I give it a six um, for just the idea of drowning um, and like the whole drama there. And I would say the squid too. Uh, yeah, the squid's little, the mouth, the mouth of the squid did not like. The beak. Yeah, the beak. Um, and when the cannibals are chasing them not so much like the chase part of it i guess but the part when they get to the ship or the submarine that was when the scary kind of set in um because it kind of felt like we were at the point of no return um especially when ned is that his name ned, uh, ned comes in and is like we have to close the blah, 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 and do this because they're on our submarine. And the captain is just like, well, yeah, they inv- you invaded their space. They're going to invade ours. And I was like, I mean, you're not wrong, but also do something. There are like, yeah. I, I didn't understand that at all because it's like, um, why not just shut the door? Because like, what can these people do? Why don't I just like submerge the submarine? Yeah. They can't. I mean, they were fighting with spears and bows and arrow. Like, they can't bow and arrows. They can't uh, bows and arrows. Um, you know, not guns. And 
<laughs> like you could close that the hatch door or whatever and and that would be they'd be like knocking on iron and and nobody'd answer and they'd give up and go home like yeah. i don't understand why they had to like electrocute them yeah yeah um yeah i give it a six what do you give it sarah i give it a four I, um, the water didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. Actually, for me, the most anxiety producing was the cannibals. Only when, um, like, they emerge from the jungle and they're chasing Ned and he makes it to the long boat, the, or whatever it's called, the boat, the little rowboat. And, um, and then they're shooting arrows at him. And I'm like, oh gosh, like, that's not good. But I was like, but eventually they'll be out of range of the arrows. And then out of nowhere, they pull boats out. And it's like all these big boats chasing after them. And I was like, there's no way they're going to survive this. Like, I mean, there's still an hour left in this movie. So something happens or there's like an hour long undersea burial that we're going to watch. But like that to me was the most anxiety producing because I just did not understand. Like, like once I saw like their boats had you know, multiple people in it. And I was like, well, they're going to overtake them. Like that to me was scary. So squid wasn't that scary to me because I didn't think it was that realistic. Um, so, I mean, I did, I did get nervous towards the end when Nemo was like, yeah, we're all going to die. And I like pressed pause and I was like, there's six minutes left in this movie. Like, <laughs> and I was like, if they all die, like there's no way Disney would have done that in 1953 where it's like, nobody wins. <laughs> like, what? 54. Oh, was 53. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, so I think the squid was scary to me because when I first saw the squid, I have never associated squid, squid, squids with danger, I guess. And I know like giant squid in general, like are just like, we just, after Googling it, we like don't know a ton about them. And like, it's hard to like get footage of them and see them and they're giant. Um, but when I first when I first saw the squid, I was like, nah, okay. Um, and then once I realized, oh, this is like the squid is is like here to kill or eat. Um, then I was like, oh, this is actually this like quick switch of having to see that as not just like cool, not a cool life, um, to being like, oh, this is the enemy. This is yeah. like what I imagine Jaws is like, but with a squid. I've never seen Jaws. Yeah, I think Jaws is actually like on the beach, maybe. If Jaws is like this movie, then Jaws is not scary. I don't I don't think Jaws can be scary, yeah. Apparently people were really scared by it. Yeah, at the time. It's like the eighties. Where did it go? Okay. I think what? maybe seventies. Um, yeah, four. I would say four. Okay. Um yeah. Um, favorite movies? So every week we um, choose our favorite movie um, and it's between um, our favorite movie so far in our journey and the movie that we currently just talked about. And so Sarah's favorite movie so far has been Peter Pan. With, a, with an asterisk because... Uh, Listen to the last episode. And that's like a little, you know, cliffhanger. Um, and first cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, and my favorite movie so far is Bambi. <sighs> Anger, yeah. I just wish you could see it in a roll because Bambi sucks. Okay, it does not suck. It's a very good movie. Um, Sarah, what's your favorite movie? It's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Wow. Yeah, I really liked it. Like, I didn't hate it. I, I don't know if it's because it started off like in a saloon town in California and I was like oh I feel like we did not address yeah that it started and I was like is this a musical <laughs> I like I was I was like I wanted like a music man kind of vibe to happen yes. um, and then Whale of a Tale started being sung and I was like this is a musical yeah like no. I, didn't, I didn't hate that uh-huh. um, yeah. yeah I was surprised that it took place in California at the beginning because they were like Frisco and I was like pretty sure that's California and I think Jules Verne is French it was before I'd done my research and so I just 
figure that. But then I was like, oh, well, if you need it to take place in the South Pacific, then yeah. they can't take, they can't like leave on their trip from France. Um, that would be a way longer movie. Um, but yeah, I just wasn't expecting that at all. And so I don't know if that like was like, oh, like a pleasant surprise. Like, I don't know. Um, so yeah, I really liked the movie. I don't know if it's just, I'm just so grateful that it wasn't as boring as I thought it would be. And it's just relief that's making me think it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was going to be two hours of like action fighting and like weird ocean stuff. Natalie, what's your favorite? Are you, are you switching it up from Bambi? You're not, you're going to pick Bambi. Oh my gosh. I'm going to pick Bambi. (laughs) I'm going to pick Bambi, but um I yeah I would echo what you just said like I am I am truly pleasantly surprised with what I watched this weekend over three days span um a lot of that had to do with my like unpersonal schedule not fully just like me giving up on the movie I promise but um yeah it was yeah I I hated Treasure Island I really hated it I don't honestly I really could not tell you right now any scenes from it. I have deleted it from my brain as soon as we recorded the podcast. There were pirates, but yeah, I I was really expecting Treasure Island, obviously, because yes. I've been calling it that all week in my head. Um, and so I'm just like, I'm just so relieved that it was, it was really good. So yeah, next week, um, our dad and possible well, she's definitely our mom, but possibly our mom <laughs> will join us for uh, David Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. Do we want to make predictions? I mean, we already know he dies. Yeah, we know he dies. I'm going to guess there's some racism in this. Yeah. I think they're battling Mexico. Yeah, I think somehow there's like racism towards Mexico, but also towards um, Native Americans. Like they've just, you know, yeah. I think that is a solid prediction based on everything we've watched so far. Yes. Um, it kind of feels like the perfect storm. It does. Racism. Yeah. So. Um, he wears a, a, a raccoon skin cap. Yes. And um, I'm going to just make a prediction. That's right. That's not Daniel Boone. I think they all do. They're all like besties. Okay. I think Daniel, Daniel Boone may die there too. Oh, connection. Or I'm confusing him with Bowie. Bowie. That's somebody. Yeah. The Bowie knight. David Bowie? Not David Bowie. Like more recently. He did die more recently than the Alamo. Yes. Um, I'm going to make the prediction that somewhere in this movie, there is an animal that I will fall in love with, like an animal character. Like an armadillo? Ooh! Like the armadillos I was told I would see when we drove to San Antonio on a road trip and I never saw. Not see a single one. So that's a lie. I have seen them in Florida and North Carolina. And what's with that? (sighs) Yeah. I guess we'll be mad if it's an armadillo because that's not accurate. What uh, if it's a Cebu? Last time we were in Texas, we saw a Cebu. Oh, yeah, on our trip to Gal- Galveston. I forgot we went to Texas since um, San Antonio. Yeah, yeah, we did see a Cebu. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of animal that I fixate on and, um, and what research Dad does. So, um, as always, as we said, uh, talk to us online and on emails. You know where to find us. Um, and we will be back next week with Davy Crockett and the Wild Frontier. King of the Wild Frontier. Wow. So I guess we a coronation. There will be a coronation. That is my prediction. And a burial under sea. I don't know about that. I think San Antonio is surrounded by ocean, so I think you're fine. Schlitterbahn. Burial at Schlitterbahn. I hope that they go to whatever mission mom took us to, because I remember not being into that as an eighth grader, but thank you for trying, mom. Um, Also, like, I know dad will bring this up next week, but, like, the Alamo um, is 
not what you're picturing when you actually get there. Like it's in the middle of a city now. And yeah, so right. like you're picturing, maybe I've seen this movie a long time ago. Like I would not be surprised that dad made me watch this when I was four. Um, but like, I'd always imagined like a mission, you know, like by itself in the middle of nowhere, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It is in the middle of San Antonio, like in between two like hotels or something. And then you're like, there's this really old building right here. Oh, no. All right, I'm going to stop recording. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This has been Wolf Disney. Thanks for listening. Our theme song is Lamb and Wolf by Poddington Bear. See you next week. While recording this episode, we called our dad to confirm that he could be on um, the Davy Crockett episode. And so here is just a sneak peek of where his brain went in about maybe a three minute conversation. It still existed. No, it didn't. It was in the Northwest Territory. The land was there. Yeah, the Northwest Territory. Is it the Northwest Territory? Yes, Ohio was the first. It's the Big Ten. Your football. Oh, New Jersey and Maryland? What? New Jersey. No, 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 no. Not Rutgers and Maryland. But it's the Big Ten. It's, it's Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio, and Ohio State, uh, Illinois, Indiana, and Minnesota. It's all the Big Ten. Northwest That's what the Northwest Territory was. In fact, they should have called it the Big Ten. The Big Ten Territory? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Big okay. Ten Territory. I don't think they could have foreseen... College well, football. they should have because they built into the law for the very first time uh, the, the, the necessity for land-grant universities, which all of these were except Northwestern, which is a private oh. school. And that's in Illinois, too. Yes, I know. So.